This is A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends, a podcast ministry of Somebody Cares America, being a tangible expression of Christ in a hurting world. Welcome to another Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. The last few podcasts, we've been talking about the spirit of the Ten Commandments. In fact, today will be part four of what we call the Golden Rule. We've talked previously about the other commandments of God, dealing with what Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and second is like an unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. So we see that God is wanting us to fulfill the law or fulfill the commandments by the way we express our love to God and our love for others. So today is actually Golden Rule Part 4, which is on You Shall Not Covet. Coveting is not a physical act necessarily, although it always leads to a sinful action. The Hebrew word for covet is hamad, means to desire, crave, long for, or lust for, like the love or the lust for money. The sin of coveting is the root of all sorts of evil. That's why God addressed it in his commandments to the Israelites when he said this in Exodus chapter 20, verse 17, "'You shall not covet your neighbor's house.'" You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, or his female servant, or his ox, or his donkey, or anything, and let me emphasize, anything that belongs to your neighbor. Coveting often begins with the lust of the eyes. A person sees something and begins to be consumed with the desire to possess it, no matter what the cost. Even as we see this in the case of King David in 2 Samuel chapter 11-13 through 13 and 15-18, through 18. One evening, David was on the roof of his palace when he saw a beautiful woman bathing close by. He inquired about her and discovered that she was married. David should have dropped the matter immediately, but he allowed his attraction to blossom into coveting his neighbor's wife. He then abused his power by sending for her, Bathsheba, and having sexual relationships with her. He may have gotten away with it in man's eyes, but Bathsheba became pregnant. In an attempted cover-up, David ordered that Bathsheba's husband be put in the hottest part of the battle so he would be killed by the enemy. Then David took Bathsheba as his own wife. But God, who sees and God knows, did not allow David to get away with it, and David's family ultimately suffered a tragic chain of events. We see the death of Bathsheba's baby. We see that later the rape of a daughter by a half-brother, the murder of his son Amnon by his other son Absalom, and also the rebellion by Absalom that ended in his death. All this tragedy came because David coveted another man's wife. David lost the battle with sin in his thought life before he committed the physical act that brought judgment on his house and the kingdom. It was the covetousness in his own heart that led to adultery and ultimately murder. Ahab was king who ruled over the northern kingdom of Israel. And one of his desires was to possess a vineyard or piece of property that belonged to his neighbor. And that neighbor was Naboth. You see that in 1 Kings 21. Ahab tried to purchase the property from Naboth, but he refused to sell it. And up to this point, Ahab had done nothing wrong. But when he could not have the land legally, covetousness gripped his heart. His desire for the land was so strong that he became depressed and pouted like a little child or a baby, who does not get away with what he wants. Through an elaborate scheme devised by Jezebel, Ahab's wife, Naboth was wrongly accused of treason. And though he was innocent of the charges, 
he was declared guilty and stoned to death. See, God is a God of righteousness. God cannot be mocked. God is a God of truth and justice. Once Naboth was out of the way, Ahab was legally able to come acquire the land. And once again, the innocent suffered because of the covetousness in a man's heart. As in David's case, God did not allow this act to go unpunished. He sent his prophet Elijah to pronounce judgment upon Ahab and Jezebel for the murder of Naboth and the theft of his vineyard. Soon after, Ahab was killed in a battle and Jezebel was thrown from a balcony in fulfillment of the prophecy. The message of the Lord is very clear. Flee covetousness at all costs. When the world comes crashing down, when darkness or destruction seems to overwhelm, you need help. You need hope. Because of God's great love, we come together and rescue lives of people we may never know, demonstrating to them that somebody cares. And his name is Jesus. I was on the streets, uh, didn't have anywhere to stay, down and out, some nights sleeping under a bridge. The day that I met Mr. Doug, he was unloading some boxes. I approached him, I said, hey, sir, man, let me help you out. I mean, he said, well, what's going on? And I told him, hey, man, I'm stuck down here and I'm having a tough time. Unloaded him off the truck and took him in the office. He said, well, okay, I appreciate it. He said, well, just hold on a minute. I got something for you. Allison ran out with some blankets and pillows and stuff. They really looked out for me, you know, as someone they don't know. And I don't think I would have messed with me the way I was looking, you know. I was on the streets. Somebody cares, made sure that I was okay. I'll never forget Mr. Doug and the whole crew. As always, people like Doug and somebody cares, showing that genuine concern. It's a group of people that I wish I could see every day. Join with us as we write the next chapter. Together, we can rescue lives. Together, we will show the world that somebody cares. Be content with the things that the Lord has given you. This is not only true of wives and land, but positions as well, or in places of authority, places of influence. For example, Korah was a Levite, the tribe chosen to minister before the Lord and the congregation. He should have been satisfied with such a privileged position, but he wanted more. He coveted Moses' position so much that he led a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. Moses was grieved in his heart and fell on his face to ask God what he should do. And here's how God replied to Korah. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 9 through 11, Is it not for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the rest of the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself? to do the service of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to minister to them, and that he has brought you near, Korah, and all your, all your brothers, sons of Levi, with you? And are you seeking for the priesthood also? Therefore you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. See, Korah was guilty of not recognizing that all position and authority is given by God. And in his lust for power, a lust for influence, a lust for more, he forced a confrontation with Moses and Aaron. He didn't realize that his rebellion was actually against God himself. The Lord vindicated Moses and Aaron in the presence of all the people when he caused the earth to open up and swallow Korah and his followers. Their covetousness resulted in the destruction of them and their entire families. 
In fact, the destruction fire of covetousness rages in the heart and thoughts of man until it bursts sin and destruction. Let me just share a story. I remember one time a Washington insider told me that if God had given Moses and did give Moses the the blueprint to the tabernacle in the desert, and all these other people were listening in, if they ran out and completely did it according to specification, built the tabernacle by specification, by the blueprints that God had given to Moses, if they went and did it, is God obligated to honor the duplicate or the one he gave it to do through? See, God is calling each and every one of us with giftings and callings, and it's, it's a privilege to serve God. It's a privilege to be able to be a part of the things that God is doing. But we need to be content in what God has given us. And too often we covet what others are doing or what others have. We compare ourselves. We're not called to compare. God's no respecter of persons. God wants us to be stewards of what he has given us to do. David and Ahab, as we spoke of earlier, obtained the object of their lust, but both lost much of the good that they had possessed. Korah never saw his lust fulfilled and was destroyed just the same. The battle against covetousness is waged in the heart and mind, and it is there that the victory must be won. Coveting begins with a thought, so the thought life must be kept under control. If a covetous thought is entertained, it can blossom into imaginings of what it would be like to possess the object in question. As these capture the affections of our heart, lust is conceived, and the individual rationalizes the actions that he would never do under normal circumstances. These deceptions, or what the Bible calls vain imaginations, usually take the form of thoughts such as, I'll never truly be happy unless I I can have a certain person's wife or husband or job or property. I'll never be happy unless I have this or do that or become this. See, the lust or these vain imaginations that turn into lust are always going to be insatiable and never gratifying the longing in our hearts. The only thing that, that gives satisfaction to the longings of our hearts is to honor God, to honor His ways, and to care for people. These types of thoughts are maneuverings of the conscience that will allow the person to steal what belongs to another. Ironically, once the object of the lust is obtained, there is no joy in the possession, only sorrow and heartbreak. Much pain and suffering would be avoided if we'd rely on the Lord and take control of these vain imaginations that lead to covetousness, that lead to lust, and lusts that turn into place of license, that turn into stealing that which belongs to another. The Apostle Paul taught about bringing thoughts into conformity with the truth of God's Word. He urged the Corinthian church to diligently fight the war to control the thought life by the power of God's Spirit. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3-5, through 5, For we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing it into captivity, every thought to the obedience of Christ. Again, that's 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. The longer a covetous thought is pondered in our hearts, the more entrenched and powerful it becomes. Any imagination, argument, or internal conflict that is entertained in the thought life can become a stronghold that can only be pulled down or destroyed by force. It is vital that we recognize covetous thinking immediately and cast it down by believing God's word 
instead of thoughts that are contrary to it. According to the Bible, the scriptures, Christians have the power to resist vain imaginations and bring all thoughts into captivity or conformity to the truth of God. Through prayer, meditation on the word, and through the place of seeking God's presence, we become immersed in the very nature and character of God. As the mind is renewed and washed through God's truth, stability begins to take place that makes it difficult for the lies of Satan to take a hold and a stronghold in our hearts and minds that ultimately lead to sin. It is renewal of the mind and spirit and not the power of the will or the flesh that causes our thoughts to obey Christ. When a person attempts to resist vain imaginations and the power of the flesh, conflict and stress will increase. Only by submitting to God and the leading of the Holy Spirit can the victory ultimately be achieved. Satan has deceived many sincere believers through failure to promptly cast down vain imaginations. Once the door to fantasies and speculations has been opened, it becomes difficult to discern what is really true versus Satan's lies and his deceptions. Many times, those closest to God are targeted by Satan's attacks. A certain pastor and apostolic leader was used as a peacemaker in a strife-torn situation and region. In a time of great ethnic tension and devastation, the leaders of the Christian community came to this man and asked him to act as a mediator to end the violence and killing. Because of the high profile of this particular ministry, he had many enemies who threatened his life and even his family. A bodyguard was retained, and at great personal risk, the leader remained faithful to the call of God in his life. And during that time, his wife began to entertain vain imaginations against her husband. All of a sudden, he wasn't loving her enough, or he was emotionally unavailable. And before long, she entered into an adulterous affair with the bodyguard. Satan planted the thoughts in her mind, but she did not bring them captive to the obedience of Christ. When her deception had completed its work, Satan had this man, the bodyguard, there to make sure that her covetousness was fulfilled. Despite many pleas by her husband for reconciliation, she refused to return to him and the marriage failed. We can go on with story after story. Husband cheats on wife. Wife cheats on husband. People steal people's reputations. People want credibility by association. Some take it, some steal it, some get it by, uh, by credibility or by proper association. Nonetheless, it is covetousness when we begin to have a vain knowledge or a vain desire for something that belongs to someone else. We need to be content to be good stewards of what God's called us to do and if we are faithful to what God has called us to do, He will give us increase of responsibility and stewardship. We should never and ever covet something that belongs to someone else. Let's respect others. Let's honor others. Let's be those who rejoice in the blessings of others and not feel like we have to bring people down to our level so that we can take from them what we really want. You see, the prohibition against coveting is a fitting capstone to God's commandments because it relates closely to all the others. After all, how can you say that you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and strength when you're coveting the possessions of others? How can you say that you love others as yourself when you're scheming to possess what belongs to them? The late Dr. Emma Lewis Cole used to say this, that love desires to give at the expense of self, while lust desires to take at the expense of others. You see, covetousness hearts desires to get, to take, to receive at the expense of others, and it's never ultimately satisfied. It screams, me, 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 I want, I want, I want. 
It acquires, but is never fulfilled. It obtains, but is never satisfied. There is no appeasing the covetous desires of our hearts. It's never going to be appeasing when we're looking to the flesh to be satisfied. The only thing that satisfies the longing of our hearts is a relationship with the Lord to honor Him and to love people. It must be subdued. The flesh must be subdued through the contentment and peace that comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ and a mind that has been renewed to think and act in agreement with God's Word. It's not always easy. In fact, it's not easy. But through the power of the Spirit, the battle against covetousness can be won. If we become aware of areas of covetousness that are attempting to control our life, we must resist them by the mercy and grace of God. When the Lord reveals to us that we are entertaining vain imaginations, we simply must humble ourselves before God and say, Lord, now that you've exposed this situation to me, help me to bring these thoughts to obedience to your truth, to bring it in subjection to the Spirit of God. Wash my mind, Lord, through the power of your Holy Word and the presence of your Spirit, that I might subdue every wicked thought and pull down every vain imagination, every argument that exalts itself against your truth. Help me, Lord, to overcome the desires of the flesh and to be obedient to your will and not my own. You see, as we humble ourselves in this manner, God can replace our covetousness for unholy things with a pure desire for godly things. If God has convicted you of any sin during this podcast today, let's take time to confess that to Him. Ask for His grace, His outpouring of mercy and grace for forgiveness, as well as the power to turn from that sin and live rightly. I'd love to hear from you, so if you'd like to continue to subscribe to Word in Season podcast, please do so. But also email me at somebodycares at somebodycares.org for prayer. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram, and share this message with others. I'd like to just close in prayer today. Father, I know from your word that godliness with contentment is great gain. So Lord, I pray that you would fill us with the peaceable fruit of righteousness, that we might possess a heart free from covetousness, from falsehood, or theft of any kind. Help us, Lord, to always entertain pure and godly desires and thoughts. May we always look upon the circumstances of others, our brothers and sisters in Christ, with the same concern that we may have for our own lives and situations. Grant us a skill in the warfare of the Spirit and strength to keep fighting and to weigh a victory over the schemes of Satan. God, your word says that we are not to give place to the devil, but we know, we know the wiles of the devil, so we don't give place to him. May we love your truth and walk in obedience to your commands, Lord. God, help us today to truly come before you in, as living worshipers, holy and acceptable unto you, giving you of our time, talent, and resources that we place ourselves on the altar of God's mercy and grace and that your Holy Spirit fire would consume us and your glory would fill our temples. Help us, Lord, to truly walk in the golden rule, to do unto others as we would have them do unto us. Help us, Lord, to be cognizant of and sensitive to the leading of the Spirit and sensitive to other people. Lord, sometimes we may not always understand the fullness of what people are going through, but help us, Lord, to see through the windows of the soul, to be sensitive to them, even as you have been sensitive to us. Help us, Lord, to honor and respect and appreciate you and others, and may we do so being led by the Spirit of God. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you enjoyed this episode of A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends. 
and ask you to prayerfully consider supporting the ministry at somebodycares.org or by texting your donation amount to 805-422-7348. Please join us again for A Word in Season with Doug Stringer and Friends.